Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Targa. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today resides in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He is one Matt Wanamaker. Matt is quite literally the definition of a man of many stripes. He is an architect, an urbanist, a musician, and a veteran. He's also the lead guitarist and vocalist of the rock band known as Maps and his Mothball Fleet. So what is Matt currently working on creatively or what's inspiring him at the moment? Well, uh, fans of the band will be pleased to hear that Maps is currently working on album number two and it's just about finished. So be on your toes for more details as and when they are out there in the universe. And if you are unfamiliar with the band, I'll make sure to drop a link in the show notes. In terms of uh, Matt's favorite sport or activity, he told me he likes to swim, he likes to bike, and he likes to run. That sounds like a triathlon, doesn't it? In terms of his favorite TV show to watch or stream, Jeopardy. And any pet peeves that Mr. Wanermaker might have, well, he tells us, and you listeners, that he does not like shutters that don't shut. I wholeheartedly agree, sir. For our conversation today, Matt has chosen one of the most prolific artists making music today. They are from Dayton, Ohio. It's the mighty Guided by Voices, or GBV, as they are known to their rabid fan base. We're going to chat about B-1000, the seventh album out of 29 records and counting from the band before they uh, locked hands with Matador Records back in the 90s. B-1000 was recorded at rehearsal space in small studios around Dayton, Ohio on Scat Records and released on June 21st of 1994. It was produced, mixed, mastered, and engineered by the group. In other words, it was a complete DIY effort. This is the classic GBV lineup, which we will talk about quite extensively in just a second. But first, let's welcome our guest today. Matt Wanamaker, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show, and I would be remiss if I did not say to you, thank you so much for your service. Oh, you're welcome. Proud to do it. Thanks. Great. All right. Well, let's get started. Let's talk about B-1000 and Guided by Voices. Sure. So yeah, what what made you choose this particular offering from the band? Oh, they've just, uh, I mean, over the years, they've become my favorite band, and if I were to ask myself or anyone uh who, who what's the quintessential album by then by them you know it's it's been such a long career but i'd have to go back to this one every time it's um it's not the uh the slickest they've done it's not the weirdest they've done but it's a it's a pretty weird album and i love it i mean it's just it's uh, so unique and it's got such great hooks and the lyrics which we can get into make probably no sense to anybody not even bob but, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I haven't, I, it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you like it. Cause I, I try to turn friends onto it all the time. They just say, Matt, this is garbage, but yeah. I, I completely disagree. I think it's, it's a masterpiece. I love it. I think there's so many melodic hooks on this record. I mean, honest to goodness, Matt, I would 
put them up there, you know, with the Beatles in terms of just quality of memorable hooks. It this mm-hmm. this record just through and through. It just it's just it's gorgeous, plain and simple. Yeah, and I, you know, you, you can you can I take the lyrics back to it. Yeah. Yeah, you can take the lyrics out of the equation, but those those melodies, the lyrics are wonderful, but just listening to those melodies, they just they, they just get burned in your brain and they're there for good. Right. They're they're so I I mean I it's they're kind of like deceptively complex. You know, they seem so simple, but if you're if you think about what they're really doing, they're all over the place and it just really works. Definitely. We're talking with my friend Matt Wanamaker here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka specifically about Guided by Voices record titled B thousand. And uh, uh, we alluded a little bit, you know, on the top of the uh, the program here, who the lead vocalist and singer is, but uh, you know, Matt, let's remind our listeners who is the vocalist and lead singer and who comprises the classic lineup of GBV. Right. So uh, lead, lead singer. Um, it's really been Robert Pollard for years and years. Uh, there was a period in the mid nineties where he did, um, a lot of work with Tobin Sprout, who also plays guitar in the band, uh, or he did for a few albums there in late 80s uh, through the early 90s. And Tobin Sprout's had some really great uh, solo stuff, too, if you haven't had a chance to check that out. But he um, you know, he usually does, I want to say, two or three songs on on every album of this era. But uh, Pollard's, Pollard's pretty much the man otherwise. Um, like you said, really prolific guy. He's just He just cranks out songs by the dozens every year it seems they're still got a new album coming out and they're all you know they're all fresh yeah this, uh, they're all yeah it's amazing yeah i mean we're five minutes into our broadcast and this is not meant to be sarcasm whatsoever but it, it truly wouldn't surprise me if robert pollard just came up with ideas for three or four songs and has cut demos for them that's how that seems to be how fast he typically works he does too and and he does uh he does artwork too i mean he's got uh, collages you can buy online. I actually have one um, hanging over my mantle at home right now. But uh, and he's just as prolific there. He's just I don't know if he spends all day with scissors and old magazines and clips these things together for an hour and then writes a song and then I don't know. He must. I don't know how he does it. He but. must. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> just. But I'm jealous. <laughs> can you describe for our listeners exactly if you if you can recall? where you were when you first heard B thousand, was there this pivotal like place or moment in your life where you just said, Holy crap, this is amazing. Yeah. I, I, it was, it was probably high school. I'm pretty sure it was. And, you know, it was like that, the height of my musical searching. So, you know, I, I you know, when you're a teenager and you're finding the stuff that you, that you like, and I had gotten really into pavement at the time and a few other matador bands and, you know, trying to, I like to read about music too, which, you know, some people say it's hard to read about music, but I, I enjoy it. And I, I was a big, uh, fan of magnet magazine. who's still out. Yeah. Uh, had a subscription to that in high school and I was reading all these reviews by bands I loved and they kept referencing GBV or saying, you know, you can tell this band listens to a lot of guided by voices. And so I, I really got to find that. So, I, and when I finally found it, I wasn't sure what to think at first listen, but it was still, I was still totally hooked. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I just loved it from the first listen. I was completely blown away when I first heard B thousand and, and the previous record alien lanes with, you know, just the, the kinds of textures that they, you know, seem to get out of a four track recorder, you know, everything was just incredibly, you know, low fi, but just, you know, but just really just 
you know, was really punchy, you know, through, through, and, you know, through and through, through that, that tape deck or dat deck or whatever they might've been using. Like the, the melodies, the lyrics just, you know, just, just contain this just unmistakable punch, if you will. Absolutely. And the, and the backstory feeds that so well, you know, it's, it's, um, for those who don't know, it's, it's, you know, a bunch of completely unknown middle-aged working class guys in Dayton, Ohio, who would just get together in a garage and informally make, you know, their little, you know, who songs. They're yeah. like, you know, not a lot like it, like a who cover band in some ways. And they're just making art for themselves using tape machines that they had laying around and just drinking beer. And, you know, it, and they ended up becoming just like an unlikely influential set of leaders of whatever the, you know, the lo-fi movement of the nineties was, and then eventually, you know, transition into uh, professional rockers who made some really slick albums with guys like Rick Ocasek and Rob Schnaff. Mm-hmm. And I love those too, but it's just, you know, this cut and paste. Um, trial and error. <laughs> trial and error and putting them all together in just like he makes collage with cut up newspapers. You know, mm-hmm. they're cutting up tape and they're using multiple different tape machines and tape decks. And apparently, uh, th- you know, some of the sounds on this album are... 10 years old. So they just dug up old demos and put things over it. And it's, uh, it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, these guys are just a working class bunch from Dayton, Ohio, uh, from, from things I've read in the past. I mean, Mitch Mitchell, I mean, he was driving trucks for a living and when he could get together with the group, he's, yeah. you know, he, he would join them in the garage and Robert Poller by day was, you know, wasn't he a, a high school teacher? Right. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah. a prolific basketball player too. There yeah. is, yeah. I think they still, they may still sell T-shirts of this, but I, I've seen a, an article of when he threw a no-hitter for, you know, what is it, Wright oh, State it was University? Baseball, or something. yeah. That's so, right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. I was, I was thinking of a great athlete. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Mitch Mitchell. I think he's actually still a truck driver. I think uh, when they they reformed this kind of classic lineup a few years ago, I got to see them, and those guys are still out there rocking. Nice, nice. And and Tobin Sprout is. Is he still in the fray at, at, at this point, at this juncture in their not, career? Not much. I think if I remember, he left the first time. He moved away to rural Michigan or somewhere to uh, paint. Uh, he does photorealistic paintings, which are beautiful. Cool. And, yeah. you know, he just wanted to raise raise his kids out in the country. So, he, you know, he, he pops in occasionally, yeah. but uh, he's mostly out of it. Yeah, I think for, for the most part, guitar right now is uh, handled by Doug Gillard who is just a great guitar player to listen to and watch. He's one of my favorites. So definitely he's, he's, he's their lead, their live lead guy now. And he has been since I believe the, uh, do the collapse record. Okay. And do the collapse record came out in trying to recall right now. 90. I want to say 99. Okay. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was one, I we're probably getting a little bit off track here, but that was a total sea change for their sound. I mean, they, they evolved a little bit into more of a studio band between B thousand and that one. But by the time they went, got to that one, they're in New York city with, uh, you know, with Rick Ocasek and it's a super slick record with all these keyboard sounds and layers and layers of backing vocals. I think that's probably the most accessible record they've done. So, you know, if you're an, an entry level mm-hmm fan you know new to gbv i'd probably start there but um, songs like i am a tree me, yeah, i yeah. think doug yeah doug doug wrote oh that's the yeah, guitar that's, parts for that one yeah he, he did yeah yeah nice we are getting into the thick of it here with matt wanamaker on cover to cover with matt tarka and our subject matter is 
Guided by Voices and uh, B Thousand. We're we're kind of traversing, you know, in and out of their career, but we are talking about uh, B Thousand, which came out in the '90s. And uh, where exactly does this record fit in their overall discography? I mean, we mentioned that it's their seventh record. Um, Sounds right. Yeah, but that's among you know other that's among EPs and singles, and you know they've little side projects and things like that. I mean, I think, I think Robert Pollard himself is probably responsible for over a hundred albums by now. But as far as formal GBV LPs, I believe this was the seventh one. Um, I think it came right after one called propeller, which is another, another favorite. And that was, you know, another chopped up, very uh, lo-fi effort. Um, And then uh, yeah, Matador picked them up and helped distribute this uh, B thousand. And that kind of brought them to a bigger audience. And uh, those of us who love it found it around then or afterwards. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it's kind of fell in the sweet spot of their career, right? Between, you know, uh, experimenting with sounds and, and rickety recording techniques just out of necessity and uh, and then growing into more of a, you know, professional band. But it's it's just, you know, it's got this weird shambling charm to me that I think translates still pretty well into their live shows so even if you see them now they're still playing a lot of classics from this album in the live set every time i've seen them probably three or four in the night Most, which is impressive and you know, when you've got this many records out that you're coming back to this one so many coming times. back to this record so many times and it's it, it, it his his muscle memory robert pollard's you know i'm thinking about the lyrical content how many lyrics must be just swirling it around his, in his head at all times during a live performance and trying to oh, remember yeah. everything. He just, he's on, he, he's just always, always on point. And, and lyrically this, this band, it's not, uh, you know, it's not something you're going to listen to the lyrics right away and say, yeah, that's me. I totally identify with this. You know, it's just, they're so off the wall, but uh, you really feel it, especially when you're seeing them live. I mean, I'll pump my fist and scream these lyrics back at them. Like I, you know, only do with this band. Mm -hmm. Do you think that B thousand is a real departure from some of those early efforts? I know this still has that lo-fi quality to it, but do you think just in terms of uh, some lyrical content, some of their just experimentation on this record, do you think that they, they really change things up if you will on this album, or is this a sound that they just continue to harness, you know, at, you know, you know what when they joined uh, Matador Records, I think it's got yeah, it's got more of a more of a, a snipped up, cut up sound than some of the previous ones did. I know they they tried to be a proper band early on, so you'll hear some older stuff that sounds a lot more polished than this. But um, I mean, this is just just the way this came out worked so well. You know, you can hear the tape splices, you can hear. TV noises in the background and doors opening. Right. And, yeah. You know, it's a lot of, it's, it's sound, it's, uh, you know, it's found sounds um, mixed with these really poetic lyrics. And, you know, when they come together live, it's just, it's got, still got that muscle to it. Like I said, it's, it's like, they sounded like they were trying to be the who, which I believe they they said publicly they <laughs> were, but just, just do it in a basement in Ohio on a little four track. And it's, you know, absolutely. So, it is very common for a guided by voices record to have, oh, I mean, yeah, at times, you know, close to two dozen tracks. B thousand yes. has twenty 
amazing quality songs. Some might be approaching the three-minute, you know, radio-friendly mark, as it were. Some are just these really beautiful excerpts of ideas that feel like fully flushed-out songs. It might be a minute and ten seconds. Yeah, that's another fun thing with this and and with a lot of their other stuff is there's these little vignettes. They're just, you know, just a few, like I said, a few seconds, and they're all of varying sonic quality. They're very impressionistic. It feels like just a lot of things layered together. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, I want to say, I don't have it right in front of me. Yeah, you're right. 20, 20 tracks on there. And, and, you know, it starts off with one called hardcore UFOs. Oh, and actually <laughs> we should talk about the, the titles too. Have you ever heard of the, uh, the GBV song title Is generator? This sort of like Mad Lips or for, for GBV enthusiasts. It, it kind of, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It can go online and just click three buttons and it'll randomly put together three words. And uh, they they look, of course, just like they could be GBV. That's titles. amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, know, look at that here. Uh, um, yeah, so, and, it, and it's not as pronounced with this one, but it got to be a little bit weirder in subsequent albums. Um, hardcore UFOs, it, what does that even mean? I don't know, but it that's, that's the lead off here. And it's not really a traditional opener either. It's definitely a challenging listen but you know that was like i said that was the first one i heard off this album when i was a kid and i discovered it and it's like what yeah. is this and there, there's this. a heavy refrain lurking in and there goes, too you know you you know why i left you for yeah. so long it, it's it's very ambiguous but is this is this lost love is this you know connection to that that alien you might be referring to what's what's happening in the mind of pollard yeah, and it, and it's it's like like with the impressionistic painting impressionist paintings it's you know a lot of it's your own interpretation it's not laying it out for you it's just laying out a few words here and there that are dropping you know creating little scenes and when you put them all together that's when you might get that right. feeling out of it i mean for, you know moving from hardcore ufos we we've got a collaboration between robert pollard and his brother jim buzzards and Dread, dreadful crows yes. what a is it, is this a song that, that that you dig? Is this a song that, you, yeah, it is. I would say that this is one of those that is still, um, see, they still play it live a lot and it's still a really a great song. And it's, you know, one of them, you just hear everyone when it gets to the refrain, they're all just going, what that? it's just a room full of dorks singing these <laughs> yeah. weird words. And it's so much fun. Buzzards and dreadful crows and necessary evil, I suppose. Yeah. But- yeah, I suppose. yeah. What does that even yeah. mean? It's yeah, up to, up for interpretation. <laughs> Did you really think mm-hmm. you were the only one? Uh, and if you, yeah, now if you want to talk about weird lyrics, or you know, I mean, the name of the next song, uh, yeah. "Tractor Rape Chain," a little iffy, but yeah. it's not <laughs> if you're not taking it literally. But I mean, that's one. It's just got such a big hook. Um, it's to me, it's better than a radio hit, just the way that that song progresses. But you know, that, that yeah, <laughs> you know, and you also mentioned, you know, these weird sort of idiosyncrasies that tend to happen on GVB, GBV records, like, um, you know, a door closing or something like that. And just, you know, odd tape loops uh-huh. that occurs, you know, right on the onset of tractor rape chain, there's, you know, door closes. And then there's this sort of like, uh, you know, like kind of heavy acoustic guitar intro, um, yeah, I don't know if, mm-hmm. you know, they, they might have been using steel, tr- uh, steel strings on this particular track, but. Oh yeah. Or it, it could have just been like a terrible, terrible handheld tape machine. That made <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Yeah. It's, and then they layered over the guitars 10 years. Yeah. Later. It's, that's an, it's an oddball song yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Speed up, slow down, go all around in the end. All right. Yeah. In the end. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. so happy you know these songs. That's good. Like I said, I don't, <laughs> if, 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 if any of my friends ever hear this and you're a secret GBV fan, let me know. Cause I didn't know any of you were, and I keep going to these shows by myself. <laughs> I do. I do have a friend you should meet someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after tractor rape Jane, we have, uh, just another amazing, just, you know, uh, menagerie of words here. We've got the gold heart mountaintop queen directory. Let's, let's discuss that for a sec. Yeah, that one, that one's really fun. I love the thing I love about it is it's got those overlapping vocal leads mm-hmm. and, and then just out of nowhere, a recorder yes. I think, comes in to the, yeah. the outro. Yeah, it's a nice little. Or someone's just making a, like a, a bird call sound with their hands. I don't know what they do. Uh, but it's... Somebody's got a secret mm-hmm. talent with the recorder. Maybe that was. Jim, yeah, don't we all have <laughs> secret talents? <laughs> yeah, Jim stopped by that right. day with his recorder. Yeah. yeah, another Goldheart Mountaintop Queen directory. I mean, just straight from the GBV song title right. generator. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's oh, and then from there, transition wise, they go right into something yeah, completely different with right. hot, hot, hot freaks. freaks. I think hot it's, freaks yeah, is next, it's right? Next. And, and yeah, there's a yeah. really unexpected yeah. lyric that, you know, that begins, I met a non-dairy creamer explicitly laid out like a fruitcake with a wet spot bigger than a great lake. She she took me to the new church and baptized me with salt. She told me liquor. She I am a new liquor. man. <laughs> yep. Hot freaks. Yep. It's, it's creepy. You know, it's like, it's definitely got a swagger to it. It's, you know, it's, it's a little... Um, it's so literary too. This song, um, it, it kind of reminds me of like, I'm inside like a Tom Waits universe, you know, with carnival yeah. barkers and sailors on leave in Shanghai or something, you know, that kind of crazy universe. Sure. Yeah. This but, was a uh, co-write between, uh, Robert Pollard and Tobin Sprout. The first one on this record. Yeah. Was it? That's what, that's what it I says did here not in the credits. That. I still have my, uh, compact disc of B thousand that I'm referencing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 After Hot Freaks, we have a tune that was uh, co-written with Robert Pollard, Jim Pollard, and uh, Mitch Mitchell gets a song credit on this one for Smothered in Hugs. Yeah. And this, this guy can, yeah, he can definitely uh, wheel a guitar around. Um, not so much. I mean, this is this is pretty restrained for him, mm-hmm. I'd say, this one. Yeah it's, yeah, it's definitely got much more of a mellower vibe to it. Just... In terms of lyrics itself, uh, there's there's a line in here that just kind of jumped out at me, which was which went, uh, but the judges and the saints and the textbook committee decided you should be left out, not even mentioned. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he's referring to there. Yeah, I'm like, I'm mouthing along with these because it's just like, yeah, they're all all these lyrics are just ingrained yes. in my mind. Um, yeah. Then this one's uh, yeah, it's just it's so smooth. It's a it's a really great melody. Um, I wonder, I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever covered this one. I think this one might be one of the most coverable songs. Following Smother and Hugs, we have uh, a Pollard tune called Yours to Keep. Yeah, this is this is one. I mean, this one might have even been him yeah, it's, just it, playing guitar on it. I I'm think not you're sure. right. It's kind of droney. It's just, yeah. It's just, it's just like some, some weird uh, chord. And I'm not like a music theory guy. I couldn't tell you exactly what the chord is, but it seems, it's just some finger picking. And him, um, you know, just it's a mm-hmm. sweet little lyric about yours. And then somehow awkwardly, I think not even right on the track change transitions into Echoes Myron, which has got to be my favorite one on this record. 
Um, like it's like to to me, this is one of those perfect pop songs. I'm with you. Remind. Yeah. And another yeah, one. No, no, no. Go so, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. And it's just yeah. I mean, it's it's a, a, another great live song. Um, yeah. I mean, every time you see him in Philly, he mentions the Liberty Bell as a lyric, and they'll just he'll just stop and say that's here, and everybody goes <laughs> nuts, of course. But it's it's cheap. It's so like arena rock, but that's that's what GBV kind of is. They're like arena rock for, for sure. little tiny rooms. For sure. I mean, this this uh, song reminds me of you know some Beatles melodies circa sixty three, sixty four before they started to get a little experimental in their Rubber Soul revolver point in sixty five and. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Greg Demos' yeah. bass just kind of bounces and weaves effortlessly in the mix here. He really he stands out. I think he's just personally underappreciated or or, or or unknown to some people because they don't know GBV. That's true. Yeah, and I think I guess the legend with him is he's a he's an attorney, so he's that's that's what keeps him busy when he's not touring. But he's um yeah, he's fun to watch too. That guy just he's like um you know Pete Townsend like uh no arm swinger yes, but with yeah, the base. flashy suits too from what i remember the last time i saw them yeah last yep. time yeah bell bottoms and uh and yeah it's uh, kind of like yeah. a strobe light you know <laughs> out of control mm-hmm. following echoes myron we have <laughs> gold star for robot boy i just that just that title makes me laugh hysterically for some reason it does, and I wonder if this is one where he's he's getting a little bit literal with his uh, teacher experience. Maybe is this, is, you know, something he might have actually like something he muttered muttered under his breath. You know, gold gold star for robot boy. Over here. <laughs> they they don't really hammer melodies or the hook into your head like we you know they they do get in and get out of them. I I do appreciate that efficiency. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the brevity as a virtue. But once once they hit on something, they will just repeat it just enough times so that you yeah, want to hear it again. Speaking of brevity, the, the next track, you know, it goes. Uh, it's called "Awful Bliss," and this is a Tobin Sprout track, and it's you know one of his like gorgeous ballads that you just wish was, you know, maybe a minute and a half longer. It's it's funny you say that. I I will uh, admit in college I did play this song at a at a coffee shop, yeah, uh, once or twice in uh yeah. In Northeast DC, and it's so short. I think I just played it twice. <laughs> you know, I, I I used to play a, a Tobin song too. It was uh, oh, what the heck was it? A Good Flying Bird on Alien Lands. Yeah, but it was so short. Uh-huh. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you, you could easily play it twice, and <laughs> you do it for your own enjoyment. If even then, it's short. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's still why yeah. I do all my music. Yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> But yeah, I think I, I think I played it twice in a row, and people still were like, "That was short." What was that? <laughs> there's a there's a really just I, melancholy is sort of an understated way of I- expressing this. But there, you know, Tobin writes a line in there saying, "Hoping those you marry, you will dread in the future." I mean, that is just that that's mm. a that's a real cynical take on a a, a relationship, perhaps. Yeah, th- those who wed and and hopefully yes. dread. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. So, so Tobin gets a little back to back here. We went from awful bliss, and then he has a song called Mincer Ray. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. It's, it's got. It, I keep saying it's a good one. Of course, this is my favorite yeah. record. I'm going to say they're all good ones. Yeah. It's, this it starts. It starts off. Um, I, I think it starts off with a real like a distorted drum sound, and I don't know how they recorded their drums. I imagine they just set up a mic in the middle of the room, like mm-hmm. we all used to do in high school bands. Had no better options. Um, but I really, I really love that distorted drum sound on this one. And, and then the, there's a breakdown, uh, the bridge I think is just, 
someone turned on the oh, TV. Really? <laughs> and it's, I don't know what it is. It's feedback or just people talking, and then they go right back into the you know the the Mincer Ray. Uh, Mincer Ray, don't worry if the road's a little worn. Yeah, lyric. I'll have to do a listen back on that one. Uh, one thing that really struck me: uh, there's a major difference. Uh, tonally speaking, between Awful Bliss and Mincer Ray, in terms of vocals, there's a lot of elocution that's missing from Tobin's vocals in Mincer Ray, which um, I personally kind of like. It just adds this little extra texture to this chaos and commotion that's happening in the song. Yeah, that's that's true. I wonder if, if he was starting to get influenced by Bob Pollard's songwriting Maybe. a little bit at that point. Maybe. He definitely goes down that road a little more in his solo work. And and in, um, uh, what's, what's the one after this? Uh, uh, alien lanes. yeah alien lanes thank you but no yeah yeah he 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 does um this this one's more of like a i think more of a hint of what's to come more so in alien lanes than awful bliss was awful bliss is more of a for as short as it is it's more of a um the contemporary mm-hmm. uh pop song a little pop folk song, a little bit definitely simpler. Going from Mincer Ray, we have collaboration between Robert Pollard, Jim Pollard, and uh, I'm not exactly sure who uh, they might be referring to with Campbell. Maybe just a, a dude in the neighborhood, you know, with some musical prowess and chops. But uh, these these three guys collaborated on yeah. a song called "A Big Fan of the Pink Pig Pen." Excuse me, "A Big Fan of the Pig Pen." Another mm-hmm. crazy GBV um, wordplay. Yeah, it's it's one I don't know what it means, but just throwing that word pig pen in there for, you know, matching up with the sound that comes out seems to be appropriate. It's another, you know, finger picked kind of probably on the cheapest broken most broken acoustic I had guitar they had in the hypothesis room. about this song and that is I'm wondering if this potentially is some sort of uh take or opinion on uh, uh not wanting to relinquish creative control of what the band is up to. Ah, timely considering that. Yeah, I think um, when they're making this one, that was when uh, Matador yeah. started sniffing around, and Scat made a deal, I guess, to have Matador distribution on this. So, but that could be a scary proposition you're facing if you want to. Con- Absolutely. Know, hold on. A Absolutely. Good. I'm going to listen to that again <laughs> with that in mind. Going from a big fan of the pig pen, we have a nifty track called Queen of Cans and Jars. What the heck does that even mean? Yeah. What the heck does it mean? But oh wow, what a great oh, yeah. guitar lick to start yes. it off with. You know, I I don't know how to play it, but it's, yeah, it's some really cool lyrics. You know, jagged seas that can't be sailed. Uh, you know, they're they're hovering around what you know this main character is referring to as breeding grounds, and there's you know some seedy characters like yeah, uh, nymphos sweetly playing, and you know the the queen of cans and jars will yep. keep them safe. What are those? cans and jars that are keeping you know some of these seedy, seedy characters at bay who you know only the only the writer knows <laughs> what, a, what yes. a collection yes <laughs> exactly what's he trying yeah. to what's he trying to tell us here and it's you know it, you'd think he maybe is completely full of crap with a lot of these lyrics and has no idea what he's trying to say but i've heard him explain a bunch of their songs and he's definitely got a point of view for yeah man. most of them no, they are they are about something. He's just layered them under so many um, different meanings, yeah. which I appreciate. I, I like it. After Queen of Cans and Jars, we uh, we have a total collaborative track called "Her Psychology Today," and from what I recall, this is just pure, unadulterated noise and chaos. It is in the middle, and I I think it's it starts off 
with uh, it, it starts off with another probably a part of a completely different song and it ends with a completely different song. You know, that's that outro just someone's sounds like Tobin Sprout singing things will get much better over and over again over just this plaintive uh, acoustic guitar sound. But yeah, in the middle, it's just like her psychology today, which, you know, not, not that unique of a lyric. I think it's pretty much almost the mm-hmm. title of a magazine. But um, yeah, that one it rocks out in the middle just for what, 30, 45 totally. seconds or so. Yeah. It, you know, it jumps right into that. And then it when fades she speaks, out. the flag unfurls and the heavens split in half when she launches her attack in her opening paragraph. Yeah. In her opening paragraph. Yeah. This is this. Maybe this is another, you know, bored school teacher writing lyrics while the kids are taking a test. And he's just so annoyed <laughs> by this girl who is <laughs> reading, reading an essay and so proud of herself. I don't know. Who knows what goes on in the mind of, of board school teachers? Like that, um, jumping around to another album, you know, we, we talked about Do the Collapse briefly. That, um, this, uh, the one lyric when, do, if, when you clean out the hive, does it make you want to cry? Yeah. The TO oh, Teenage FBI is the song. And I've, I've read that he wrote that song about picking his nose and getting caught, picking his nose by, by a kid in his class that asked him if he was cleaning out the hive. So <laughs> I've never heard that expression. That's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's you know these things sound like they come from Mars, but you know as a songwriter sometimes you just hear people put the right words in order the right way, yeah. and you just you know like, I got to remember that or something that's I have to pull over, or you know every once in a while I'll get out the smartphone and type a little note. I'm not immune to it, <laughs> just so I remember it at the end of the day or yep. whenever I have free time for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the smartphone's been been uh, yeah for as, as much as I, yeah. I kind of a luddite in a lot of ways. I, the thing's been helpful to write songs. Um, you know, I I released my last album when most of it was recorded on my phone, so that was probably the 2014 version of B thousands yes. uh, handheld tape yeah. recorders. But so it's it continues to be influential to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the story of a guy who gets who gets discovered. And, you know, he's, he's a 40 year old guy just working a job and him, and his friends made this, this music and he gets discovered and, you know, say, Oh, where'd these guys come from? What? They have seven albums already. You know, so how did I not know about this? How did none of us right. know about this? From, um, from her psychology today, we've just got another glorious track here appropriately titled kicker of elves. Oh yeah. And yeah, appropriately so that that kick drum mm-hmm. really drives this one. Kicker valves on high seas and search of the sickly sweet milk of selfish love and knife for these fresh for this warm fresh blood. What? 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 <laughs> yeah. And then just kicker of valves. But you remember it forever. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's just so simple. Um, but yeah, why, why, I mean, that, that song doesn't need any more parts exactly. than it already has. And it's, it's, it. it's a, it's a perfect segue into just this, you know, yet again, just another beautiful ballad from Tobin Sprout called Esther's day. Yeah. And that's another tonal shift, right. From, from kicker of elves. Um, I think, does it, is that the one What what goes into Jimmy was a fly got sucked uh, in by I an actor. That's a, that's a different song. Yeah. 
It, it, it's it's somewhere in there. Yeah, just you know, like I said, there are all these little vignettes that are just scattered all over the place. But yeah, scenes from Esther's Day or just Esther's Day, I guess it's called. Um, it's yeah, little little simple folk song. It's just the core elements of songcraft, just in a nifty yes. little package. Um, yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. Horses. I'm looking at the liner notes here of of running backward courses with a horse of different forces. Yeah, on a flying car that seems to whisper in your ear, let's just go get <laughs> out of here. Yeah. It's like, all right. Is this is this I'm a, getting in a, that a car. subtle <laughs> nod to Back to the Future, or do you think this is just like the mind of Tobin Sprout is just w- way beyond the DeLorean and just onto something that's, you know, a reflection of, you know, something that feels autobiographical? Yeah, I want to know more about who Esther is, and I want to know more about her day. I'm certainly not getting it from that, but you know, it's it's putting it puts you in this kind of pastoral place. Yeah, she's she's down and out for sure, but you know, she she yeah. couldn't bear to to shout it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then okay, so that one fades out. Then you get Pollard yelling, "Deliver this message to the one I love the most." Now we're <laughs> in the real. track seventeen. Demons are real. They're standing still. It's- yeah, and who you know who says you can't start a song by just yelling out the first verse? No music, I think. Yeah, that, yeah. where is he this, lost is, all his money. Is this a yeah. bookie? Is this yeah. a you know? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not a bookie. Maybe it's. <laughs> I, I don't want to speculate. Yeah, it's it's. You might as well though. You know, that's that's what they leave you. They leave you just the, just enough that you got to speculate, or you could just let yourself just get wrapped up in it and wash over speaking you. of washing over you squeaky was a sad child the product of neglect got stung by a jellyfish demanding her respect yep they're demons still. are real yeah so now we've got all these characters we've got uh, myron the robot yeah, boy yeah uh mincer ray yeah unless mincer ray is a thing esther yeah the demons and squeaky mm-hmm. so yeah, he's 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 got all these different characters in these different bizarre universes. But then now I can transition to the next one. Now we're at I Am a Scientist, which is probably Track the 18. most literal song on the album. Yeah, and I think I I think they re-recorded this one maybe for Under the Bushes Under the Stars or maybe an EP a few years later, you know, in a, a bigger studio session, but yeah, this one I mean, I am a scientist, I seek to understand yeah, this, it, it, like I said, it's he's he's trying to tell us something mm-hmm. a little bit clearer here. Who he mm-hmm. is? I'm a I'm a lost yeah. soul. I shit myself with rock and roll. The whole I dig is bottomless, and nothing else <laughs> behaves like me. Yeah. So he's got a little bit of the science imagery, imagery, a little bit telling you a little bit about maybe. who he is. Maybe. Yeah, and then there's a farm pharma, pharmacist in play bit. here too. You're talking tough, about tough prescriptions and potions and whatnot, and yep. You know, maybe maybe that prescription is rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the lesson. <laughs> Next we have people. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say yeah, yeah, that's, yeah oh, sure. Oh back no, back to I am a scientist. I think pro- probably if if yeah, maybe this is one we we uh let people hear if we're trying to get them into it's this record. More. Yeah, and then it's 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 kinda nice. He he follows that up with well, they followed up with You're Not an Airplane, which is a sprout track. I mean that's it's pretty generous to let your uh I hate to call him your your, your second yeah. hand man, but your right hand man, that's second fiddle, but yeah, he lets him close the album out with this mm-hmm. little piano. Yeah, it's it's just piano and Tobin's vocals, and it's it's beautiful. It's uh, it's a nice little. Uh, oh, it's not it's not a companion because it sounds like it's you know talking about very different 
scenarios in life, but I'm just from this one. Yeah, I think it was awful. Awful bliss. bliss? Maybe. Yeah. It's sort of yeah, yeah. Awful bliss is is more of his you know acoustic guitar driven, and this one, like you said, it's it's much more of just you know it's it's raw, it's piano and vocals, and and that, and I think I think it sounds like the record ends with just the it's cover beautiful. on the piano closing. There's a, there's a range. I mean, that's that's one of the things I love about it. It's is there is that range of just like dirty, dirty guitar fuzz, and then just these sweet little ditties on acoustic guitar and like we said there's a recorder in it it is um so it's all over the place but it's still it's kind of like steeped in you know classic british guitar pop you know it's it's um it's the beatles white album it's it's the who it's you know it's all these things put together with like a, a, a a a touch on it that was so of the time which you know they did it they recorded it that way like they said out of necessity that's that's one of the things that I really loved about this band is I discovered this album and I thought it was great. And then I finally got to see them live and just live there. It's a totally different animal. And it's like they, they, they could be known as a great live band on their own, even without these crazy records. And they but somehow they at are least both 38, 40 songs in every single set list. Like they just they have catalog and they. They they play it. They don't they don't focus on just a couple of you know records from the nineties. Like you really they they really keep you guessing every single night. It's always something new. How does B thousand continue to inspire you personally and your band? Oh uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, band wise, um, I did. If I get a little a little background, I recorded my uh, the first maps in his mothball fleet record was recorded in Afghanistan. Um, on my phone and a little handheld tape recorder that people gave me. And I think the reason I thought that was okay to just do these, these tape, um, you know, short little songs that don't make sense to anybody, but me, I think the, you know, that I got that confidence from this type of album, you know, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, like Don, Don Quixote, um, you know, if you dream something, you just make it happen. You know, they made this happen with very little resources and they just kept doing what they did. And people found it at a time that was right for that. Um, you know, these, these late bloomers. So, you know, that's kind of inspiring to me. Um, like I said, it's, it's been my blueprint for making records, not so much the forthcoming one. I'm trying something different on that, but, um, yeah, it's, um, it, it you know, it, it t- takes me back to the nineties mm-hmm. a little bit, but in a good way. You know, and it's just, it's just so, it's so powerful, you know, in these little packages, um, just all the things I love about music from, you know, the, the harmonies and guitars. And then later albums, they get some really good use out of synths for a while. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been inspiring. It's just, like I said, it's, it's a blueprint for how to make a record. That's not the traditional way, you know, just put things together that you like, that you think work. Someone will like it. You know, a lot of people won't. And that's okay. Yeah. Just do it for you. This is fun, Matt. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, stop by the program today. And, uh, yeah, no you know, problem. thanks for just sharing your thoughts about this really important record from GPB. This was a, a really pivotal point in their career. And it's really cool to hear how this, uh, this record continues to inspire you. So thank you so much. Yeah, it was good. To, it was good to good to talk about this with you too. I don't like I said. I don't have many people I can talk about this stuff with. But you know, it's like, hey, all right, someone else appreciates this. You know, it's, it's been fun. 
All right. Thanks so much to Matt Wanamaker of right. Maps and his Mothball Fleet for taking some time to stop by today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you so much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, or uh, perhaps even TuneIn. Take a moment to tell a friend or family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us giving us a good rating. It'll help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. And we hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us today as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover. <laughs>